Hey everyone, and welcome to Spiel Chicago, the podcast exploring feminist work in Chicago theater. My name is Smyra Yan, and this week I got to talk with playwright Calamity West, who currently has three different plays in development here in Chicago. In addition to her work, we got to discuss how theater can respond to current events and what is so amazing about Annie Baker, a playwright that we both love. Enjoy. Calamity West, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited. Your work is super, super interesting. Thanks, thanks. Um, do you remember the first play that you ever saw? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it was, I don't know, this isn't a play, it's a musical, but they're the same thing. Yeah. They're not the same thing. Uh, I'm just entering into the world of musical theater, so I'm still learning the language and what's appropriate and inappropriate in talking about musical theater versus straight plays. Anyways, um, what was your question? What was the, okay, uh, right, I got, I was like, it's maybe six or seven, and my aunt took me to see Cats, and I still remember it so well. It was crazy bananas cool, and that was it. That's so funny. That Do you one. remember like what you thought about it? Because Cats is like a is a crazy ass musical. <laughs> um, I remember we we were on the main floor and we were close to the stage and we had aisle seats and. I remember at the top of the show, the dancers moving through the aisles with glowing eyes <laughs> as they're physically interpreting the, the – they're interpreting the physicality of cats. And I just remember thinking how bananas it was to see adults behaving like this so earnestly and gracefully um, and everyone in the room buying into it. <laughs> um, that was – I remember – having a thought like that though I don't think maybe that layered but yeah something like that that's super cool and did that start your interest in theater or was it later totally no no that was that was like it was a huge a huge moment for me and my journey in being interested in theater for sure it was so cool I think and also what else kind of what started the snowball for me was I remember seeing the performance with my aunt and then her talking to me about T.S. Eliot's poems, which the musical is based off of, and me just being like, wait, 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 there's like an author who was born in St. Louis, which is where I was from, who wrote poems about cats, like, and then some guy from England decided to adapt that into music and now I'm here and there's adults crawling on the floor with glowing eyes like it was just like really crazy so like the the T.S. Eliot stuff also kind of I think maybe turned the lens towards writing too in in theater it's interesting to think about like Les Mis or yeah. um the musical Ragtime these are these books yeah. are like dark and heavy and sad yeah. and somebody read it and was like this should be on Broadway but I think having conversations with people that I have been having conversations with about musicals, I don't know anything about them, um, but I think a little bit of insight is in there is just like the idea of something like ragtime. The reality is so bleak that there's no other way of expressing it visually than with music. You're currently working on three different plays, is that right? Yeah, I mean, technically four now, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? I don't know. It just happened. Um, 
it was just like a perfect storm of my favorite collaborators from various theaters asking me if I was interested in creating for them. And my life is situated in a way right now, knock on wood, that I can focus on my writing full time. Um, so that's how that kind of happened. Just working on these plays, do you think they influence each other by yeah. you working on them at the same time? Uh-huh. Big time, big time. So it gets tricky. So what I'm learning is that um, and I can't work on like three plays all at once in one day. They kind of have to have their own weeks and chunks so that um, language and arcs don't bleed into one another because that's what was happening, I think, in February of this year. They all started to kind of <laughs> start, they started to sound alike. Um, so I had to um, regroup and re-strategize how I'm doing this. Um, so that's where I'm landing right now. Excellent question. Together, <laughs> Thank you. If you're I'm working trying. on them too much. Yeah, at once. Is yeah. this the first time that you've worked in this way? I think last year, I usually, I, I'm, te- I'm technically, I'm usually working on like two at a time. Last year I was working on, Oh, no, that was three, too. Um, so I guess it's been a year and a half of me working on at least like three at a time, which is a new new development for me as a writer. Technically, usually it's been one at a time. So you have you give them all their own chunks. Do you have any other like processes to help you write effectively or organize your writing or your like workflow? Um, I wake up as early as I can in the day so that I can have time to procrastinate (laughs) so that I can like procrastinate for three hours. And, but, uh, if you wake up early enough, it's still nine o'clock in the morning when you're starting, which just seems like a reasonable hour to start working. Um, I need lots of sleep. Um, (laughs) so going to bed early, going for lots of walks, turning off the cell phone, Lots of reading, novels, not um, plays or the internet. What else do you do when you're not uh, writing plays? Usually thinking about writing plays (laughs) or hanging out with friends. Do you see a lot of theater? Yeah, I'd rather not, but I do. Like, I, yeah, I do. I do. Would you rather not because you... It would be like an overload of the work that you're already doing. Yeah, I think I think right now, just going back to where we're saying, like just writing so much. Like I, I'm I'm kind of obsessed right now with not having my private time or my work time outside of work to have anything to do with theater. You know, because I'm writing all day and then having nights and going to see a play, like, that's exhausting. Like, that's just, like, a 16-hour workday for me, it would feel like. So I try to really focus on on seeing people that aren't necessarily in theater or seeing plays or, or reading plays or reading criticism or anything like that just because it gets a little much. Does that ever bum you out? Because from... Uh, no. Really? <laughs> no. Would it bum you out? It did. When I was a stage manager and I would go oh, to plays God. after, like being in you know rehearsals and I love I love the theater and I love like and as an as an audience member not even as a creator I just love theater so much and I would go with this like kind of critical eye or be thinking about yeah, like man. the script and and it's so refreshing I haven't been in production for a long time and I go in completely uncritical and I'm even more I kind of love imperfect plays it's like so much easier to enjoy theater just as a as a person. I also think people who go to the theater who are not in theater are the coolest people. 
like people yeah. who are just like fans oh, aren't I they love, the best i love that i love what you just said yeah have you seen anything in the last few years that has like really inspired you mm, i mean gloria at the goodman pretty much changed my life it was pretty much the best piece of theater i've ever seen so um that <laughs> what did what did you feel walking out um an urgency to live as presently and kindly as I can with myself and every single person around me whether I know them or not um which I think for me is one of the greatest gifts any form of art could give you lot of really socially conscious plays I wonder if you feel a tension between writing something that is responsive to things that are happening here and now and writing something that might go into the canon I I try so 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 hard uh, to write plays that could have been produced today or 300 years from now and will still hold emotional and intellectual relevancy i'm not interested in writing pop plays um to market or cater to an audience that's going to be in chicago right now for a summer etc etc do you have an overarching thing that you want your plays to do in the world or is it just piece by piece this is like what i'm working on and it has its own goal i mean the really cool thing about theater i think is that you get a bunch of people in a room and we're going to sit down together and we're going to watch things go really, really badly for other people who are in pretend world, but you still get to sit back and watch them make mistakes and hopefully learn from their mistakes so you don't make those mistakes on your own. So I'm always trying to write um, parables, like all of my plays. I'm trying to convey a, a lesson that usually revolves around personal authenticity and courage and um, perseverance. Those Do you ever learn? The forefronts of my parables. Let's Do say. you ever learn things from your plays? Um, yeah, like all the time, all the time. Because I think they're they're coming from my subconscious. Like it, I don't think it, tech, it never happens while I'm writing it. It tends to happen after it's been running for a little bit, and I go back to see it, and I've had some distance with it. Do you have an example of one of those? Yeah, I mean, it just happened to me today, even. I was thinking, um, my play Give It All Back, which was just produced um, this past winter with Sideshow Theater Company, um, which is essentially a play about the dissolving of an artist's ego and vanity. And I connected very deeply with my main character. And, and every time I saw... Andrew Gatton, the actor, perform the character of the artist in that play. I was always <laughs> seeing something about myself, which wasn't always pleasant, that I'm always trying to um, get rid of, which is just vanity and ego, which is something I think important for artists to let go of um, or find a balance in. You've yep. said that sometimes being a playwright in Chicago felt like being in a boys club. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In what ways? Like, how does that play out? 
I should just say I know a whole lot more male playwrights at my level than I do female ones. So that's what makes it feel like a boys club. Do you ever feel a sense of tokenism? Um, I had like 20,000 thoughts at that comment. I think that's a thought of anyone who isn't a white male. We all have the fear of being a token in a season, but I also know that and believe that I'm one of the best writers working in America right now. So this is a question that I really struggle with and I've been asking. Everyone's announcing their seasons, right? And everyone's season is basically now more than ever or, you know, some sort of social justice or mm-hmm. civically aware, right? It's always, you know, that's always there. Theater is very progressive. I mean, you would hope nature. so. Right. I mean, you, like ideally, but I don't know if that's true. But. Yeah, you may be right. Um, That's what we want to believe, right? Yep, that's definitely what theaters want to believe. So now I'm like, what are are we suddenly like, okay, now we mean it? Or do we have to change our course? Or do we have to really change the work that we're doing? Um, So that's one part of the question. And then the second part of the question is, how do we respond when things happen so rapidly? Like, I think specifically in responding to these things, I wonder, like, theater is very sort of slow moving, um, so how do we respond to, to current events? Mm, I don't think that theater is slow moving. I think that society is slow moving, but mediums in the 21st century make it seem as if it's moving at a rapid pace that it is not. And as far as theater artists or seasons responding to the political climate, that's the whole point of theater and art, not just theater. The whole point is to reflect the political and social state of what we're experiencing right now back to audiences also want to say that like I don't really think things have changed that much I know I'm like in my 30s so I haven't been around that long but I just don't think that things have changed that much in the world and the same kind of fears and phobias and brutalities and realities are kind of just in a circle in a loop so it's not really hard for the. I'm not making sense. Am I making sense? You mean like yeah? So it it isn't. There hasn't been this like irreversible shift since the election, but it's like part of a a cycle of things that have always been happening that are now highlighted in a different way. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I guess also I'm interested like what just to have like a conversation like what co- what seasons have you seen released that are like in response to this current administration we're doing this play this play and this play so stage left theater is doing this play by robert schenken who's like very, a you know well-known playwright in new york and um he wrote this play very quickly mm-hmm. and he didn't have this long workshopping process and he is you know really pushing it to be produced in lots of different cities all over the country mm-hmm. um quickly like specifically very quickly mm-hmm. um because it is in direct response to like 
what he is seeing happening in the federal government and why it, that scares him and yeah. and what his responses are. Um, and I just thought that's very interesting because it's not how we typically imagine that kind of theater being produced, right? There's usually these long sort of development processes and... and um, which is like a new thing, right? Like that's like contemporary theater making. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like. I don't think that's how theater. The idea of development is still like a new thing in theater mm-hmm. um, artistry that I don't think is um, necessarily like as beneficial as everyone thinks that it is. And I think like yeah, like what you're saying about this play at stage left, it makes me think about someone like. Eugene O'Neill back in the day who was just like tramping around with a with a company from town to town like making plays and whatever was like happening at the moment writing a play about that and putting it up do you have a different response as an artist than you do as just a citizen to these kinds of things or is it all 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 one Mm, what do you mean I want to know what you mean more so when I don't know after the election I just felt this sort one doubt about being an artist because I felt me too. Yeah. A responsibility to be doing more, to be out in the streets, to be spending my time doing things that were more vital, which is, I don't really believe that because I believe that theater and I believe that art is vital. Yeah. But we had that, I think, I think a lot of us had that initial, that's our initial impulse, right? And it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then you move on past it. Right. Because it's your, realize, it's, yeah. it's the initial doubt about the art that you're making. And then mm-hmm. like, is this good or not? And then on top of that, <laughs> not is it good, but is it doing any good? Totally. Um, whether or not what we're doing is important and why. And also the idea of like, well, theater's always supposed to be progressive. It's always supposed to be like saying something political. I think that gets really dangerous because sometimes the most political plays come in the guise of family dramas or and a family drama, a good family drama is um, timeless. And, and you know, if I think about something like The Glass Menagerie and the social consciousness of that play and how it still resonates today, and there's still an urgency to it. Maybe that's my I don't frustration. Know. It's like the, the theater that is like very pointedly socially or politically conscious okay. just like isn't having the impact on me. I, I can't speak you. to other people, but like the impact sure. on me that I want it to. And I'm just like, why isn't this working? Yeah. What would you, what do you propose or what are you, what are you looking for? I really like clowning and physical theater. I, I like the abstract. I like the images. Which is political. Right? Yeah. Clowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most. <laughs> and I like. Political. Yeah. Um, I just like something that like washes over me and makes me feel something I don't understand, but makes me want to go out being a kinder person, makes, makes me think differently about the world than I did, whether it's concretely or abstractly but plays that are working in a contemporary theme and setting at the moment aren't charging you in that way not usually no yeah but i feel like people think it's harder to sell those pieces of art i mean theater is a hard piece of art to sell it always is like regardless of whether you're creating cotton candy and peanuts in the guy, you know, in, in in the form of a two act play with a bunch of one liners, or you're writing one of the most like most profound pieces of theater ever. Theater's a really hard thing to sell, especially right now. I think a lot of people are struggling, um, which I think could also lend itself to being a time where, like, well, if <laughs> if it's if it's going so badly, we might as well just 
go balls to the wall political with everything. I feel I feel like I don't know any more about this problem than I did at the beginning of the conversation, but I have a lot more questions. That's good. Yeah. Questions are good, right? Yes. Let's talk about Annie Baker. Okay. Because, like, I don't understand her plays at all. Yes, you do. But, like, I what don't. Do you mean, it's like, not a bad thing. I just, like, when I read them, because I read a lot of Annie Baker okay. in college, and I was like, this is interesting. And then I mm-hmm. saw the aliens at a Red Orchid Theater, mm-hmm. and I just was like, I can't see my face if you're listening, but, like, so captivated and just, like, elevated. And I was like, this is so beautiful. The best. And I didn't understand why. Even then, I don't think I understood why, but I loved it so much. Um, and I I kind of want to understand, like, why is it so beautiful? Like, why this sort of, like... What are, like, three... What are, the, what are three things that you remember from that production? And there's no right or wrong answer. So I remember... Three things. Oh, gosh. That the opening was in silence, which I mm-hmm. love. I love a play that opens in silence. Um, I remember a long period of time. This is also silence where someone is like rolling a joint (laughs) and it takes so long. It just takes. Yeah, it's like so, so, so long, almost that you like think something is going wrong. And then you're like, no, it can't possibly be. It's been so long. And you're like basically alone with your thoughts. And in this like communal moment with this one guy on stage, I really loved that. And then I loved um, that the characters were losers, like they were just kind of, kind of losers, and you. But I connect, you connect with them in being a loser. Well, I a think you bit. just answered the question about why you liked it, right? It's like silence, solitude, and underdogs. Like that's why you liked it. That's what I just heard you say. Those are the three reasons why you liked it. I think. Um, I mean, I love her plays because she's. I'm going to sound like the most pretentious person ever, and that's fine. She's Pynchon-esque, you know, Thomas Pynchon, the novelist, where you kind of just have to go into the situation, i.e. theater, and let it wash all over you and just sit with it before you can actually process what that piece of art has meant or provoked in you and that's why I love her so much um I feel like she's one of the only playwrights I've ever read or seen that creates a blank canvas it's not just theater because I feel like you know most of the time you go see plays and there's always that like subtle wink that's happening through the playwright or the director and like that's including my plays so I'm not like trashing anybody what do you, what do you mean by the subtle like, wink elevated mm, the the knowingness of the theatricality yeah that's what I mean by like a subtle wink um yeah and her plays don't do that for me I go in and I'm just like I'm immersed um it never feels like a play it's just an experience. Yeah. You know? It doesn't fight for your attention. I kind of like that. Totally. Totally. 
Um, and, you know, I think that's, I love what you just said. It doesn't fight for your attention. I think that's true. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like her stuff, right? Because they don't have the um, patience. Do you ever think about that? It. The impatience of the audience? Um, no, I don't really care at all. I'm gonna write what I want to write, and if you, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, always, I'm always gonna try to honor people's times, and that like I'm not gonna write something just to get it down on the page and just to get it produced. I'm always gonna be thoughtful because I don't want to waste anybody's time. But as far as like creating something to accommodate audiences and what they might be feeling or thinking at this given year or month in in the galaxy, uh, no, I don't, I don't care. I feel like you've given me a better answer about my question about theater's response to current events than a lot of people, but it's just mostly given me a lot to think about. I mean, it's super hard. I don't really know. And there's like so many layers to that question. I don't even feel like I answered that question. Did I answer that question at all? No, and it's the best answer that anyone has given me, and I still don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe I should just stop worrying about it because it isn't theater's job to respond immediately to things that are happening in the political world or whatever is is current in a very specific way but there's so but there's also like see and that like splits me up in half because i think there's a half of me that says like no that that's definitely true like i think it is theater artists jobs to do that like we're not doing sitcoms right and we're not doing sitcoms for a reason because like the nature of like a theater space and people getting together as a collective to sit down and like watch something like that inherently gives you a voice and a forum that lends itself to the political and the social in a way that things like television and YouTube not all television because I love television but you know what I mean like the Mm -hmm. traditional sitcom like doesn't necessarily allow itself to be am i making sense i just do think it's important i think if you take that away from theater making then like that is like you're missing kind of the point of theater making like i don't want to see like television for the stage so uh, yeah it's a really great question it's a complicated question but i think it's like the question that we're all asking ourselves right now and it's only been like six months so no one actually has the answer right now but we'll find it it'll be fine i think (laughs) oh god i don't know but yeah maybe the process is the answer like usually is in every situation ever and every element of life do you want to plug anything before we sign off everything's in development and nothing's been announced so i technically can't plug anything yet okay well until we'll, those things are announced we'll just tell people to find your website online or I don't have a website but you can <laughs> just google just google just me use google <laughs> and you'll find something surely that's great <laughs> yeah thank you so much for coming on this has been a really interesting and probably the most like challenging interview in a good way no like in a good way (laughs) okay it's just better to have a conversation i've learned with podcasts or like make it a conversation for sure as david foster wallace has said just make it a conversation and you'll be fine Mm -hmm. so thanks for the conversation it's been great thank you yeah (laughs) 
Thanks again to Calamity West. You can catch her next show, Hinter, about a farmstead murder carried out in 1922 Germany and inspired by real events at Steep Theater this January. If you have any questions, comments, or rants, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Spiel Chicago, that's S-P-I-E-L Chicago, or email spielchicago at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One more thing before I go, if you are a transgender actor here in Chicago, you should know that the Casting Society of America is hosting an open call for transgender actors this Sunday, October 22nd. If you'd like to learn more and sign up, we'll have a link to that event on our show page. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the theater.